0: Welcome to the Garden Church Podcast. The following message was previously recorded at the Garden Church in downtown Long Beach, California. The Garden, we are continuing a series on practicing the way of Jesus with these three goals. That we would be, watch this. Be with Jesus. That was good, yeah, yeah. We practice the timing. Be with Jesus, ultimately, so that we would become like him, so that we would do what he does. And I love that we're starting off storytelling because that's already happening, praise God. And specifically, I'm going to get to continue what we've been doing to see, because we're not fully there yet, uh, God wants to change us to that place. And the ways we can do that is through this paradigm. And where we've been is this. Uh, in order for intentional spirit formation. So already, week one, they talked about teaching. And then last week, you talked about practices. And this week, we get to talk about community. Us. Why? Because Mother Teresa said that uh, loneliness is the leprosy of the modern world. Have you felt it? You see, in the midst of the past 10 years, this new digital age, uh, it's crazy because we're more connected than ever, but more isolated than ever. Have you felt the effects of that? Isn't it crazy you go to sleep? No one to return on Netflix because we'd rather be distracted than really be alone with our own thoughts. By the way, do you have those crazy thoughts that you think you're the only one that thinks them? By the way, if you continue to not say to anyone the things that you think, you'll continue to think that you're the only one that thinks them. But you're not alone. <laughs> we have to be... Um, Open and honest to say, I think we all have somewhere to grow in this, yes? Because it's not just about being connected to each other, it's about being in community. Why? Because God intended it from the start. And I love that even last week, Darren preached on, you know, the, even the impact of social media and what he's chosen to do as a result of it. The woman who is the leading sociologist, the leading expert on what the digital age is doing to us as humans, Sherry Turkle, wrote this in her disturbing book, Alone Together. She wrote this, we are lonely but fearful of intimacy. Digital connections may offer the illusion of companionship without the demands of friendship. Our network life allows us to hide from each other even as we are tethered to each other. We'd rather text than talk and when technology engineers intimacy, relationships can be reduced to mere connections. And then, Easy connection becomes redefined as intimacy. Put otherwise, cyber intimacies slide into cyber solitudes. Have you felt it? (sighs) Luckily, God created us for something so much more. Turn with me to the very beginning, page one of God's word. It starts in the book of Genesis, chapter one, verse one is where we're starting. And as you're turning there, which is going to be so hard to find just after table of contents, is... (laughs) that I have to let you know a little bit about uh, what I think of when I think of the idea of community and opening God's Word. So I had the uh, privilege of going to Israel a few times, and one of the times we went there, I got to learn what it was like to be in church in the first century church. So what was church like when Jesus went to church? Interesting, yes. And it was it was everything about it was totally different. In fact, right when you walked up, there was one synagogue uh, that it was called Korazim, and as you walked up, I love it. The stairs were intentionally uneven because otherwise you just kind of like walk into church, right? So they had some that were long, some that were short, some that were awkwardly tall, because this. They never wanted you just to get used to walking into church and be not conscious. And so it was kind of this, like, you just immediately started to be conscious. And then the environment was different. See, me standing on a stage was really heavily influenced by the Greek, where you have the theater and the arts impacting what church is like. That happened uh, just after the first century. But church back then was a little different. In fact, just for fun, let's just, let's experience it together. So the person who spoke was not in the front. Watch your face. So the person that spoke would have been somewhere more in the middle. I'm so sorry. It's so awkward. I know. I feel so weird. Just kind of, you know, community. So, you know, you have the person that's actually teaching that's going to be in the middle, and everyone else was intentionally in a circle. That just doesn't work, does it? So, um... <laughs> Everyone else is in a circle. Here's why. Because they wanted you to understand that you do not just go to church. In fact, look past me, what do you see? People? Oh, this, I'm so sorry. This is like the interactive. So let's, it's fine. If you look past me, what do you see? People, each other. Why? Because you don't just go to church. You are it. And that was purposeful. And so they'd have the, you know, the thing in the center and then they'd start with uh, praises and blessings. Similar, how do we start now? We do it with worship through music. Back then, they were sharing stories of someone would stand up in the community and praise and worship God for who he is. So someone over here would stand up and go, God is alive. And everyone's like, you know, and then (laughs) someone over here, and it was crazy because they so knew each other. They so lived in the midst of life together. Someone over here would stand up and go, God is healer. And everyone would know she's not fully healed yet. You know what I mean? and then someone would get up and talk about the effects of alpha even though a crazy background jaded by the church maybe but at the same time encounters jesus and everyone in the crowd is like yes bring your friends to alpha so (laughs) and so this is how it would start so everyone's now saying this and now then was the time where someone from the community would come out to the center they would put out a thing called the moses seat and he would sit on the moses seat because it was time to bring the word of god now what i loved (laughs) about this first century church was that um, there was a guy who worked at the synagogue. They tell stories about this guy. See, because uh, he had two jobs. Number one, clean up, like a janitor. But he loved his job, not because of the janitorial duties, but because of his second role. See, his second role was that he actually got to, I'm sorry, uh, he got to go to what's called the Torah closet, Torah being the first five books of the Bible, right? And there was a closet. See, right now we have the Bible-like book form. Back then it was scroll form. So he would get to go to the Torah closet, grab the scroll that was going to be read today, and this guy loved his job because he got to bring out the scroll. And what I love about it, the guy was telling stories, he's like, this guy would never just walk out the scroll. No! (laughs) Sorry for yelling. He would never just walk out the scroll. He would always Dance out the scroll. Can you picture it? Right? Uh, and he's like, "Oh!" What? And everyone's like, "Who? What? This me? What this move?" You're welcome. And so he starts going nuts, and everyone in the audience is like, "Yeah!" And he's like, "Ah!" Oh, no! And you know, he's grabbing people. No, not really. But. And he's going, and everyone's like, yes, and he's like, yes, and they're, yes, and he's like, are you ready? Ah!" Here's why. (laughs) Everyone would go nuts and crazy nuts because it was the moment in the service where they got to hear from a living and an active God that were like, yes, please, you want to know why? have you noticed the minute you walk out those doors the world is really loud have you heard it what is it saying i I keep hearing this one you're not good enough not doing enough or this one's been real prevalent in my community you're not where you should be by now you heard that one So that's why we want to hear from God and we want to do it in community. And then after the person, so he would bring it out, people would go nuts. The person would read for 25 minutes and then give what's called a dare shot, which was the five minute like, and here's what I think about it. So I'm going to read for about a half hour. I'm kidding. But, and then afterwards, the guy who got the chance to read in the center would go around the community one by one and shake hands. And they had this phrase that um, basically meant this i am stronger now because you are stronger now therefore we are stronger next person i am stronger because you are now stronger we are now stronger and he would go around the entire circle and that was church and what i love about the garden church is is it, it seems as though based on storytellers and i know there's a thing here and by my my community that's been rocked by this place it seems like we are stronger together as we crack open god's word so let me ask you this Do you want to hear from the living God this morning? So uh, in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, it begins like this. In the beginning, what's the next word? God. Which that's really important when you get to the start of a book, because like any good book, it gives away the main character right at the start. You know what it doesn't say? In the beginning, you... I know that's confusing because you thought you might have been the main character of your story, right? I know it's confusing. Here's why. Because you're in every scene. Am I right? (laughs) You sure do. You see, and and if, if you just got that, you might live like God, who, by the way, is a community in and of himself. See, although the story starts in the beginning, God, it actually started before the beginning because God the Father perfectly loved God the Son who perfectly loved God the Holy Spirit who perfectly honored God the Father who perfectly honored God the Son honored God the Holy Spirit who glorified you You get the idea from forever and I can't fully understand that but I'm becoming more and more okay with the God I can't fully understand because if I could he would be a small God and we serve a very big God so God the Father who existed for forever in a triune Person, three persons, one God. If you have any questions, ask Pastor Darren. So easy. So, um, so he existed for forever, and then you have Genesis one one, when it says, "In the beginning, God," which again, three persons created. And it continues, Uh, created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. What I've come to do with this book, if you're wondering how to spend time with this book, a simple way is simply this, figure out what's true about God because that will never change. I think oftentimes I used to go to God's word, especially uh, by myself and I'd, you know, inspire me. I don't get it, right? Right. Because I'm making myself the main character of the quiet time. So if you find who God is, you can be confident that who God was is who God is and who God will forever be, which means it's never going to change. So let's discover this together. In the beginning, God created. What do you know about God? Good job. That was an easy one. It gets harder. Now, the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. A little bit harder. What's true about God? You know, that sounded like this. (laughs) Yes. So basically, it was dark, there was nothing, and God was present. So if it's true that who he was is who he is, then I can say, even though it's dark and there feels like nothing, God is present. So, continues. And God said, let there be light. He brings light into darkness. In other words, he exposes. No wonder it's a little bit uncomfortable to be in his presence at times. And there was light. God saw that the light was. Okay, again, we can either do like the good, or we can, you know. Verse three: God saw, said, "Let there be light," and there was light. So God saw that the light was, and He separated the light from darkness. He saw that the light was good. And basically, from Genesis chapter 1, verse 1 through about verse 26, you have him doing this creating, and it's good. Why? Because he made it. (laughs) And so he creates, and then he says, good. Creates and says, good. Creates and says, good. Creates, good. Then, chapter 1, verse 26 says this. Then, God said, let us, why us? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one, let us. Make mankind in our image. How important is community to God? Well, he made us in his image, and he is a community in and of himself. In our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock, and over all the animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. He made us for community. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. He blessed them and said to them, make more. (laughs) I like that verse. In fact, uh, you remember remember the pattern? Creates good, creates good, creates good, creates good. Chapter 1, verse 31, he says this. Now, after creating humans, God saw all that he had made, and it was? Ooh, it's a little different. I like that. Here's why I like it, because it's one of the first descriptors of us. Very good, jean jacket girl right there. What's your name? Amy, hi, Amy. I could say it to everyone, but it's you. When God created everyone, but specifically you, Amy, he said, very good, and I heard a theologian once make the statement that very good means whole, like that one man said, Patrick, whole and complete, lacking nothing, which means this, Amy, that when God created you, he went, yes, that's exactly how I want you. But Amy, if you're anything like me, you're going to compare yourself with the sweater in front of you. <laughs> I know she like, plays piano, and you know, I know. <laughs> but Amy, if you're anything like not just me, but I have a feeling a few girls in the room, we play that comparison game a lot, don't we? And I will say in Mrs. Community, I think it was Eleanor Roosevelt who first said, what was it? She said, um, comparison is the thief of all joy. Why? Because when God made sweater, he went, yes, and you, sweater, will miss it if you compare to the one on your right. You'll miss it. But he actually wants you different. If you are different, by the way, this hit me this week, that if you find yourself not fitting in, good. The room was missing something, and you brought it by showing up. I think we fear not fitting in, but the truth is God calls us to make a difference and you will only make a difference by being being different. You can't make a difference by being the same. God created us for community. In fact, there's only one thing in the garden he says was not good. Chapter two, verse 18 says this. The Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. And all the ladies said, amen, yes. (laughs) I will make a helper suitable for him. Are you all alone? Now, I'm not talking about whether or not you're in a relationship. I'm asking if anyone really knows you. It's not good if they don't. See, what uh, Western civilization is doing is it's raising up the individual at the expense of the community. And so we're constantly and uh, constantly trying to elevate ourselves and what, what do you do when you find yourself at the top just isolated and alone God wants us to rise together so number one God created us for community and as 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 the rest of the entire Old Testament continues through the story we see a God who wants to be relational with his people so yes a relationship here but also a relationship here and then god wanted to be with his people in relationship so much so that he becomes one of them that's when you get to the gospels matthew mark luke and john telling the eyewitness testimony of god caring so much about relationship that he comes close and i love that when, when, Sometimes I fear people really getting to know me because I fear that they'll run away. But the best part about Christian community is you can trust God's in them so they might draw close when it's hard. So turn with me to Matthew chapter four. Let's read a little bit about the community that Jesus wrapped around himself that we might learn the community he is calling us to as well. Matthew chapter four, beginning in verse 18, says this. as Jesus, Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Come follow me, Jesus said, and I will make you fishers of men. I love that invitation. And by the way, c- community, it, just like Jesus it always starts with an invitation. If you wanna live out this community message, it starts with a simple invitation. I know they might say no, but that's where it begins. And I love Jesus's invitation. (laughs) They were fishermen. (laughs) By the way, I went fishing for one of the first times ever in Oregon with my family, and I was okay until I realized the fish die. I know I knew that, but there was something, I, I, caught, I was like, I caught one, and I got out. I thought we were going to do like the catch and throw, what's it called? Thank you. Uh, I thought it was going to be a catch and release, and I caught it, and I couldn't get it off, and then it died. So I, was, I hated it. So, But here's what I, lo- I hated about it, um, is that fishing leads to death, but fishing for men leads to life. And that's why I love this invitation. That's why invitation is worth it, because I believe it leads to life. Don't fish. So, but I do love salmon, so this is important. Um, Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. By the way, later on, Jesus refers to these two brothers as sons of thunder, (laughs) which basically means they're extremely fiery ready, and I wouldn't say it was a compliment from Jesus, but going on from there, James and his brother John, they were in a boat with their father Zebedee, preparing their nets, and Jesus called them. And immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people were brought to him with all their various diseases, those who are suffering severe pain. Did Jesus call one disciple? So he called Peter and Andrew and James and John. Now, something about these four men in particulars, they were from Galilee, which basically was this hot spot for discipleship, for following a rabbi. They were good Torah observant Jewish boys. So these are kind of like, they were ready for it. But let me tell you this, Jesus does not just call the religious. Matthew chapter nine, keep turning. Starting in verse 9. We'll see more about who Jesus calls. Matthew chapter 9, verse 9. As Jesus went on from there, he saw a man named Matthew, book of Matthew, sitting at the tax collector's booth. Follow me, he told him, and Matthew got up and followed him. While Jesus was having dinner at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners. Now, quick note here on when it's quotations like that is, sinners is like a first century non-observant or non-religious Jewish guy. So he's now at Matthew's house having dinner with tax collectors and sinners, which basically were his friend group. He came and ate with him and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? On hearing this, Jesus said, oh, I love his response. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. For I have come to call the righteous. Not the righteous, <laughs> but sinners. Now, that was a verse I knew when I was super little. Like, they came for those who are sinful. And I was like, yes and Amen. And then the messy people came into church. Or maybe you are those messy people. (laughs) See, Jesus does not just call the religious. He calls the messy. See, Matthew, he was a tax collector. He was not very popular in Jewish circles. Here's why. Because, see, what a tax collector was, was basically it was a Jewish guy working for the enemy, Rome. This was a rugged guy. That's why all the disciples and all the people, the Pharisees, the uptight religious folk, go, who is Jesus hanging out with? By the way, when people look at your lives, are any of them confused about who you hang out with? They should be if you follow Jesus. It shouldn't always make sense. And so everyone's kind of confused. Like, why would he hang out with these guys? Why would he hang out with people who were Jewish? Yes, that makes sense. But the Jewish people who basically went against what Jews believed and served Rome, they were confused. You see, he was with his friends and other tax collectors and sinners. This is Matthew. And you're kind of beginning to notice uh, Jesus brought together quite an interesting bunch. Turn to find a description of specifically his closest friends the next chapter over, Matthew chapter 10. he called his 12 disciples to him and gave them authority to drive out evil spirits and to heal every disease and sickness. These are the names of the 12 apostles. First, Simon, who is called Peter and his brother Andrew, James, son of Zebedee and his brother John, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, James, son of Alphaeus and Thaddeus, Simon, the zealot and Judas Iscariot. Who betrayed him? Notice the bunch. I think a lot of people idealize the first-century followers of Jesus as this like glorious group of people. Let people let me tell you. There's even in this this list of twelve, he gives two descriptors outside of family orientation. He gives two descriptors of two different guys. He says Matthew, the tax collector, which remember is a Jew that therefore works for Rome, and Simon the Zealot. So a zealot basically was a guy that believed so deeply in the Jewish life that he used guerrilla warfare to fight anyone who would go against Judaism. Next to each other. And by the way, it's not just like uh, political differences. They also, uh, notice personality. If you've ever read the New Testament, you'll, know, you'll hear about a guy named Peter. <laughs> basically this like type A loudmouth, I understand, um, Guy. <laughs> next to a a guy they refer to as Doubting Thomas. (laughs) Basically like this introverted, skeptical, cynic, who probably blogs a lot. So you have like (laughs) these two guys next to each other. And Jesus tries to get them even closer. Why? Because there's no other reason they would hang out other than following Jesus. Do you hang out with people who live different than you? And it's not just uh, uh, political differences. It's not just like personality differences. Also, you have the sons of thunder, these fiery guys who are sold out for everything to follow Jesus next to Judas Iscariot, the traitor of all. This is the community that Jesus is gathering around him. Do you think they always got along? The answer would be, turn with me to Matthew chapter 20. I love this. Matthew chapter 20, verse 20. I love this part. Then the mother of the Zebedee boys. the Mom gets involved. I love this because I am one. The mother of Zebedee's sons came to Jesus with her sons and kneeling down asked a favor. What is it you want? Jesus asked. She said, "'Grant that one of these two sons of mine "'may sit at your right "'and the other at your left in the kingdom.'" <laughs> Jesus says, "'You do not know what you are asking. "'Can you drink the cup I am going to drink?' That's Jesus for no. <laughs> "'We can,' they answered. "'Jesus said to them. "'You will indeed drink from my cup, "'but to sit at my right or left "'is not for me to grant. "'These places belong to those whom, "'for whom my Father has, "'who has been prepared by my Father.'" When the other 10 heard about this, they were indignant, which means really mad, and you would be two. Two of the 12 go to Jesus with their mom. (laughs) The sons of thunder bring their mom into the equation, and they ask for a higher placing. By the way, if you struggle, if so far I've brought up certain things that kind of rise in you, this like, oh, almost like guilt, you're not crazy, (laughs) You're not crazy, this feeling to want to get ahead. You're not crazy. You fit right in. But Jesus keeps gathering them closer and closer to himself. In fact, uh, Jesus responds though, because he goes straight into teaching on what it means to be a disciple. He reorients their thinking when he says this, verse 25. Jesus called them all together and said. I love that, he called them all. He didn't just take the two that had conflict. He goes, no, 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 let's do this in community. from involvement in community, no matter how messy it is. And I know it's hard in this kind of me-centered culture that we are in the midst of. In fact, Barna, who's one of the leading researchers specifically, they, they find all the stats with regards to uh, Christianity and what, how the impact it's having and whatnot. They asked, what's everyone's preferred method of discipleship, and the number one answer was, well, just me and Jesus. The other answers included people. (laughs) It's normal in our Christianity today, but we see that Jesus calls us to something greater. Ronald Rollheiser said this. Part of the very essence of Christianity is to be together in a concrete community with all the real human faults that are there and the tensions that this will bring us, will bring us. Spirituality for a Christian can never be an individualistic quest. The pursuit of God outside of community, family, and church. The God of the incarnation tells us that anyone who says he or she loves an invisible God in heaven and is unwilling to deal with a visible neighbor on earth is a liar since no one can love a God who cannot be seen if he or she cannot love a neighbor who can be. Hence, a christian spirituality is always as much about dealing with each other as it is dealing with god Uh, one of the two dominant metaphors in the entire new testament when it describes church is that of a family Uh, so i'm married to my husband randy and we have a little baby boy named foster (laughs) and he's two and he says i'm two okay so my husband and my son have a beautiful relationship. Family, right? Family. By the way, do you know that that's, uh, you don't get to choose your family? That's important to know. <laughs> so, you get to choose your spouse. So, so you have my husband and my son, and, and, and why would they use the metaphor of family in the New Testament? Here's why. Because my son is in relationship with his father, but he cannot be in relationship with his father without being a part of the family. <laughs> I'm a part of it. In the same way, you can't be in relationship with your heavenly father without being a part of the family. Do you see it? So number one, we were built for community. Number two, Community is non-optional for disciples of Jesus. And this is important because as we started this whole conversation, three, it is in the context of community that we are transformed. In simple terms, you are shaped by the people around you. I once heard this idea that you are the average of your five closest friends, (laughs) Some of you are thinking like, oh no. (laughs) Let me ask you this, by the way. um, Is your relationship, and I mean intimate relationship with with Jesus, worth imitating? Is it rubbing off well on your group of friends? Because I think we can critique our friends. Like when I say that average thing, you're like, who's in my, I got, she's pretty good. No. You know, like we do that. But let me say this you're in the average. I heard once when it was ta- uh, on a topic of dating, I think it was Annie Stanley that said like, are rather than focusing outward, if you're, if you're single in the room, are, you can either focus outward on finding the one or you can ask yourself this question, are you the one the person you're searching for is searching for? Start there. <laughs> I loved it. So simply put, we're just the average of our five closest friends. They do have a radical effect on us. You start saying the things that they say. But on a deeper level now, this is getting deep. <clears throat> It also, community also, the reason transformation is possible is because it exposes us. I'll put it this way, it's really profound. Whoa, okay, so you have this water bottle, right? And you have an alarm on your phone. How cool if I planned that? I didn't. Just got to turn it off. So you have this water bottle, right? And there's stuff on the inside, which is water, just so you know. Now if it's shaken, this is good, this is good. What comes out? I'm sorry. It's fine. So, (laughs) You didn't see that coming, I know. Front row, splash zone. So, did you see that illustration? I got you. (laughs) Water bottle. When it's shaken, this is so profound. (laughs) What comes out? I know. I know. Why? Because when it's disturbed, what's on the inside comes on the outside. Yeah? Ah. Oh. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> that was so stupid. I was like, what could I use? A water bottle I'm shaking. So Have you noticed that, though? There's anger in there, isn't there? Isn't there? See, it exposes for the better and for the worse. Let's do the better. That's better. Okay, so um, let's say who are you? I'm Chad. Chad, what's up, Chad? And my friend here, sorry, Joey. Joey. Okay, so uh, C.S. Lo- Joey. Uh, C.S. Lewis wrote a book called Four Loves, where he talks about having two really good friends, Chad and Joey, which is perfect because here they are. Okay, so in the book, he talks about so I have this friend A and friend B. And we're really good friends. And then friend B dies. Sorry. So, (laughs) and he goes, well, at least I have friend A, and we're going to get even closer, right? That was kind of how he was doing the math until he realized something. I'm going to miss the side of Chad that only Joey could bring out. Do you know this about you? That people bring out every side of you? community is a powerful thing. It's where we are transformed. Not only does it expose, it also encourages. Why? Because you cannot one another yourself. 59 times the Bible says one another, love one another, do this to one another, and all these commands cannot happen by yourself. Are you convinced? Number one, God created you for community. Number two, community is non-optional, and that's good because number three, we are transformed in community so what do we do how do we change community point four is the byproduct of commitment which I got to tell you from what I know commitment is hard and this affects everyone people that say I go to this church what they really mean is I go once a month that's what the average is that's not commitment that's convenience Community is only a byproduct of commitment, and commitment is hard. What do you commit to? You commit to coming, learning, and teaching together, but I got to be honest. This definition, bless you, of community cannot just happen on Sunday mornings. While well, Sunday mornings definitely matters. Why? Because it was even in Jesus' routine, right? He went to synagogue every single week. That was part of his routine, and we want to look like Jesus. So we come, we gather every single week, right? But this type of community cannot just happen here. While it's nice to meet people, be friendly and all that, we should do that. Good job. We also have to go places further. That's why house church exists. A very dear friend of mine is in a house church, and she's like, I, it, it was so scary to walk into. She I didn't even know what I was walking into, and then I showed up, and then they're like, and we're all committed for weeks. And she's like, no, because it's hard and it's messy but what you see throughout the new testament is this there's the ideal of community and then there's the messy reality reality of it and discipleship happens in the space in between that's what we have and so you have to commit to it as hard as it is one thing specifically I've come to realize that is important that I think in order to experience this community is you have to hear about two things number one being known and also getting to know it's both and it's not one only Best way I can illustrate this is actually I worked at I have worked and I still work at a Christian camp called Hume Lake. And uh, in the past 10 years that I've worked there, whoa, uh, I've learned a lot about community. And in fact, I remember hearing this talk once on community, and I was like, I was so rocked by it. I'm like, I would go into cabins at night, and I wanted, like, everyone to experience this type of community, so I'd walk in. And mind you, uh, my first six years, I worked in high school ministry, so I'd walk in. And I remember I'd walk into a cabin at night, so it'd be like 11 p.m., and the girls would all be on their bunks. And I'm like, everybody, who wants to play a game? You know, and all the girls were like, Huh? I do. That's so crazy. You ask. I'm like, great, great. Fun circle. Everyone get in a fun circle. is going to be so fun. So I'm like, everybody, hurry, hurry, And everyone gets in this little circle, and I'm like, okay, so this game is going to be called, if you really knew me, you would know. And then all you have to do is finish that sentence. How fun, huh? And the one girl to my right is like, that doesn't sound fun at all. I'm like, oh, it doesn't? No, it's okay. It's fine. Here, come on, come on. It's so fun. Come on, come on. And so we all get in a circle. And I'm like, okay, I'll go first. And I always would go first on this game. By the way, the reason I would go first is because someone once told me, um, leaders never consider themselves the exception. You know, just because you can sit in the back doesn't always mean that you should. So I'd go first. All right, so, if you really knew me, you would know and then just finish the sentence. We'll start really shallow and then we'll go deep, 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 fun, fun, fun you know? Okay. Um, so, I'll go first. Shallow. If you really knew me, you would know. I had a dog um, who passed actually a couple years ago. Her name was Abercrombie. I named her when I was 16. Now I'm embarrassed, so we refer to her as Abby. Okay. <laughs> And then everyone, which, by the way, is so interesting with regards to leadership, because everyone goes around, they're like, well, I have a dog named Skills. I'm like, okay. And so it goes around, you know. <laughs> and then it goes back to me, and I'm like, a little bit deeper. If you really knew me, and everyone who does know me would know, um, that I have a cousin who is handicapped. And for that reason, since I really understood that she was uh, radically different in ways she couldn't control, I've always hated when people use the word retarded to hurt someone. I hate that. Like, there's nothing you could probably, no, there's a few, but that one really gets to me. And so then it goes around the circle, round three, I'd go even deeper. <laughs> and then it was funny, because I was always like, because I wanted to impact so many people, I'd always like, to the leader, I'm like, I actually got to run, but, you know, you're fine. Good luck, good luck. <laughs> and they'd come back the next morning with like, their eyes swollen, I'm like, good time, huh? So. <laughs> I played this game in all sorts of cabins, and I would tell them, I would urge them to know, like, it's important for two reasons. The, the basic level is it matters to share. Because if people don't know you, they don't know how to love you. <laughs> but here's the PhD level of the game. If you really want to be good at the game, if you really want to be good at community, and this is true, listen. Because if you listen, you learn how to love. If you don't listen, you're going to be consumed with being loved. I promise you that. That's a PhD. And some of you will go, mm, I agree, and you maybe even write that down. And I don't think a ton will actually live it out. If you want to live out this community talk, walk up to people, worry less about being interesting and just become interested. It's so freeing. Women in the room, I want that so badly for you. I don't know if it's guys struggle as much as it is for girls, but I know as a female, there's something so weird and pressure to be interesting. I've come to realize the freedom to walk into events and just be interested in people. And so this game, I would play it every single week in one week. I'll never forget it. So my job at the camp, <laughs> I was called the spirit girl, it's weird. and. Um, There was always like a thousand people. I was in charge of the games, and so there'd be like a thousand high schoolers. Imagine on a field playing like sports games, and there'd be like you know 500 on this side, 500 on this side. I'm like, all right, who wants to play? You know, we're gonna play the next game of relay races. Everyone back behind your cone, and I'm like, you know, shh, go back there, everybody. And so every all these thousand high schoolers are going back behind their cone. I'm like, all right, you know, get back behind your go. And suddenly, I'll never forget. A kid jumps out dressed as a banana, and I'm like of course, and so he starts just running across the field, and I'm like, that's funny, and so this whole side's like, banana, banana, I'm like, what, high school, and so this side, this is where it gets good, kid on this side jumps out dressed as a gorilla, I'm like, of course, and so, you know, and so now, banana turns around, and gorilla is chasing banana, and this side's like, "Gorilla!" and he's like, banana, and so I'm like, to the death, and then, so they're like running, and suddenly, it was so good, the banana falls, and I'm like, banana split. Ah! And then the gorilla shouts out, you're such a retard. One girl from teen 27 sprinted from her cone, stood right beside me, put her arm around me, and went like this. You don't have to be alone on that one anymore. My friends at Garden, if people don't know you, they will not know how to love you. If you do not get to know people by listening and becoming interested, you will not know how to love people the way God intended. Since he intended it from the beginning, why? Because God created us for community. He created us for community. It's not optional in your discipleship to Jesus. It's where you're transformed, and it's a byproduct of commitment. Let's pray. Thank you for listening to the Garden Church podcast. For more information about the Garden Church, visit thegardenlb.org.